All right, Tim Blankenship here with the Divorce 661 Daily Perspective, episode 16, I believe. Thanks to all of you who watch. We are This podcast is picking up pretty good. We get plenty of views, and people have been watching to the end, uh, clients that have been hiring me. Thank you, by the way, uh, those of you I've spoken to this week that have hired me and found us on the podcast. So again, I do these videos to kind of go over what I did each day so you kind of get a feel for what I do and how I help clients and also... Uh, for folks that are either trying to do their own divorce, some of the issues that you might run into. So today's daily perspective, day in the life of a LDA or a paralegal that handles divorce, we're going to talk about, as always, judgment reject issues. Got some new stuff for you guys. Uh, we're going to talk about why doesn't other LDA companies or paralegals put their their prices on their website like I do. And I want to talk about that. We're going to talk about the quadro process at length. We're going to talk about when you shouldn't and should not amend your petition. We're going to talk about the, again, default cases and the six months and the 30 days and all that and restarting that process. We're going to talk about um, someone whose wife had served him and trying to push through a default without an agreement for unknown reasons. And I'm going to tell you why you don't want to do that. There are no emergencies. I'm going to talk about that as well as wrong when disclosure information, basically in a nutshell, and, and how to do it right and not wrong and what I saw this week on that. Uh, what data separation to use if you've been separated for a long time. We're going to talk about why fight spouse support if you know it's going to be paid and uh, much, much more. So a minute into this, let's get going and let's start off on number one. Van Nuys Judgment e-files started their own, had to amend and wait 30 days to submit. So 90% of the time, people who come to me who have already started their divorce case and filed the petition and however far they got, 90% of the time we're having to amend it because there's some error that will cause the judgment to get rejected. And people don't argue with me, but they don't understand how, why the court accepted their petition if there was something wrong with it. And it happens all the time. You know, I talk at length about that. The problem that causes is First of all, I try to avoid having to amend your petition at all costs. But if I know it's going to cause your judgment to reject, I have to amend it. And the problem that that creates, it's not a problem necessarily, but an issue that that creates is that the it restarts the clock on the 30 days. So let's say that you filed your petition and however much time has gone by. It doesn't matter if it's you know a week or a year. Uh, I talked about one the other day where it was six years, but if you if you file your petition and serve your spouse, you start the clock on the six months and you can turn your judgment in at any time after the 30 days, then once you, if you go to um, amend your petition, you have to then reserve that on your spouse, file a new proof of service, and then you have to wait another 31 days to file your judgment, even if the six months has already passed because you have to give 30, 30 days again a uh, chance to file a response. And of course, I'm talking about assuming a response was not already filed, but you have to give that time, even in an amicable divorce, to uh, for them to respond, even though you may know that they are not going to file a response because you're amicable, cooperative. And for instance, if you're a client of mine and I say, hey, you know, working with both of you, we have to amend the petition because like in this one case, they didn't mark a spouse support box, something that was going to cause, or maybe they didn't put a date of marriage or date of separation, or even do the math uh, and put down how many years and months. If I feel and know, not just feel, I know it's going to cause a judgment to reject, I have to amend it. 
even though that's going to add time and add another 30 days. If you haven't amended your, if you haven't served your spouse, your initial petition, it's not going to restart anything because you never did start the, the six months or the 30 days until you could turn in your judgment. Number two, flat fees. I have been doing this 11 years. And from day one, I've used a flat fee tiered system. And I published those prices of our service in different packages, depending on if you have assets and debts or not, or kids or whatnot. I try and make it pretty simple so you can read and see exactly where you fall into price category if you, you know, as far as that flat fee goes. So my question to you as a potential customer uh, or to you as other paralegals or legal document assistants that are doing this, I don't see you guys putting your prices on your website. People that I work with or, you know, friends that I have that are in the industry, they don't do it either. Um, and I don't know why they don't put their pricing on there. For me, I want I don't want you to call me. Here's why I do it. I don't want you to call me to say, Tim, what do you charge for divorce? That's a waste of my time. The The price is on the website. The cost is on the website. That usually, though, the cost will, question will come up in addition to multiple questions people have in a consultation. And I'll, I'll reiterate what the cost is and, the, and that the prices on the my website are correct. But when people call and their first question is, what's the price? I ask them, well, have you been on my website? Well, no. That leads me to another thing. Before you call someone, find out if they are a suitable service for you. Do a little bit of homework before you pick up the phone and call someone. I'm happy to go over what we offer and our prices and all that and explain things to you. But imagine if you called someone else, another company, and they maybe weren't uh, allowed to be doing this. They, maybe they had bad reviews. This just goes back to doing your homework. But if you're an LDA or paralegal, let me know in the comments, why are you not putting your prices on your on your website? Are you trying to trick people into calling you and then you hit them with the price? Are you trying not to be locked in to a particular free fee structure? Um, or do you assess based on the person you talk to on the phone, based on what they say, you're going to come up with a number and it may be different all the time. I don't agree with that. I don't think that you should charge people different things based on, on certain issues that they may have. If you're handling contested cases where there's different forms, different paperwork, and it might take longer, that might make sense. But for me, I only handle amicable cooperative clients. You either have assets or you don't. You either have children or you don't. You either have going to have alimony or a home or property division or you're not. And based on what you have, I can tell you what that price is going to be. And you can clearly see it on our website. Now, do some people have a ton more assets and a much more complicated settlement agreement we have to put together? Yes. But on the other side of that, do people have a very simple settlement agreement and, and terms. Do they pay the same price? Yes. Do they get the same product and service? Yes. Does one take me much longer than the other to, to take care of and prepare and finalize? Yes. But in the end, I feel like it all averages out. And if someone goes to my website and sees that, hey, here's the prices, they're going to say, hey, that's a great price. Let me call. Let me get some information and move forward. Or they're going to say, hey, that's not, you know, wow, that's a lot of money and move on to someone else. So, and that eliminates me having to have that conversation if they've already moved on. Speaking of which, I did find one legal document preparer. I want to say they were in like Sacramento. No, it was San Francisco. And maybe it's because it's their people are richer up there or 
whatnot. But their pricing, they did have their prices on their website. I don't know if they were you know valid at the time, but their prices were $1,500 for a simple default with agreement type divorce case with no assets, no debts, no nothing. And I charge half of that, $799. If you have no assets, no debts, no kids, it's a flat fee of 800 bucks plus the filing fee. And they charge as much as $2,000 if they're working with both parties, not including the court fee. And I'm $1,600 if, I'm, well, I'm $1,200 plus the court fee, $1,199, working with both spouses. And I was like, pricey. So um, we do high volume. So I'm, you know, and I do a lot of content. Uh, uh, nice lady I spoke to today that said she watched all my videos. And I said, did you watch all 2,600 videos? And she said, no. But anyways. If you're, let me know in the comments, just going back to the pricing, why don't you put that on your website? If you're in my industry, I'd love to know why. And I would also bet that clients that are on our site are glad to know what our prices are. And there's no tricks. There's, there's no uh, retainers. There's no hourly fees. What you see is what you get. Number three, we're going to talk about the Quadro Qualified Domestic Relation Order process in somewhat length. I'm not going to bore you to death with it. If you, what a quadro is, is if you have a 401k or a pension, deferred comp, 403b, some IRAs, anything that was company sponsored, like through your employer, you're going, and you're going to divide that to whatever degree, 50%, community property interest, um, $10,000, a flat fee, whatever the case might be, if you're going to do that, you have to have a quadro. So what this looks like is in your settlement agreement, we'll say, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, spouse to get, I shouldn't have had chips and salsa before I started, <laughs> spicy salsa before I started this. Let's say your spouse is going to get $50,000 from your 401k flat fee. We'll put in the settlement agreement that, that that's what's going to happen. So <clears throat> wife to receive $50,000 from husband's Fidelity 401k ABC one, two, three account number. Fine. Settlement agreement goes through court. You guys sign it, you notarize it, you get, you know, goes to the court, <clears throat> gets approved. Now you have a, a judgment and a settlement agreement that says wife is getting $50,000. The next thing you have to do, and I'm telling you this because people don't do this, even who, who have attorneys don't do this as a follow-up to actually have that money transferred out you have to go through this qualified domestic relation order. It's a quadro process. It takes three to six months. It just depends on the plan and how long they take to approve them. And there's several steps to them. In my personal opinion, there though these are more diff a quadro is more difficult than an amicable divorce case because there's a lot of language. It's usually a six to twelve page narrative um, um, quadro relations order. In simple terms, what the quadro process does is actually follows the divorce agreement and allows you to move that money over from one account to another without taxes, penalty, withdrawals, and all that, and then that money gets moved over. So it's a complex process. The reasoning why a quadro is needed uh, is not complex, but we'll get calls where people have done their divorce 10 or 15 years ago through another service or attorneys, and they've, they're getting ready to retire, and they call their pension company to see what they need to do to start getting that process going for retirement. And they say, oh, well, you're divorced. Your records show you're divorced. We need to copy your divorce decree. When they send it over, they said, oh, well, we can't, we can't start the process because you have to do this quadro first. So it's not something you have to do immediately after the divorce. I mean, it probably is a best practice 
to do it right after the divorce is finalized because you don't want to wait five or 10 years um, later to do it. Maybe it pre prevents you from actually retiring uh, or slows down that process. We've seen that. They're like in a rush to get it done. They're like, damn, I'm just supposed to retire in two months and we need to do the quadro. And I'm like, well, that it's no matter how fast we go, I can control how fast I do the paperwork. I can't control how fast <clears throat> the court processes it. And I definitely can't control how long the individual plan takes to review and approve it. So best practice, do it right away. Um, okay. Number one, two, three, four. Kind of touched on this a little bit about the 30 days, but filing an amended petition does not restart the six months. So I'll give you a scenario. We, I told you earlier that, you know, many times people will call us and we'll, they've already started their divorce paperwork and we'll have to amend their petition. If they have served that petition, even though it was had errors, they were still served the petition. So that will start the clock on the six months, even though the petition is in, not invalid, but has errors. So let's say that they filed their petition, uh, let's say a month ago, filed and served it rather, they served it. And technically we could submit their judgment for review and approval 31 days after the date of service. But then when I reviewed their paperwork, let's say there was an error that I knew was going to cause the judgment to reject. If we do that, instead of us being able to finalize right there on the spot, like, okay, give me your agreement. Have you guys signed it? Everything's good to go in the, in the petition and it's all, it's been served and the time has passed. Then I usually just go right to the judgment. They sign it, we file it and it's approved in a couple of days. When we have to, um, if there's an error, I have to amend it and we still do all the paperwork and finalize everything and they sign and notarize, but then I can't turn it in for another 31 days. So it does slow down when we can turn it in for review, but it doesn't restart the clock on the six months if it had previously been served. I can tell you a little trick or tactic, and I've had this happen a few times. I've had someone file their petition, say a month ago, but they never served it. But then I went to review the petition and I said, oh, well, the petition is invalid. There's an error. We need to amend it. So what I would do is, and let's say that they did serve it, but they never filed the proof of service. I will say, let's file the proof of service of that badly, you know, the, the, the incorrectly uh, drafted petition, serve it so we can start the clock, say a month ago, then I'll immediately amend it and then file it and then serve the amended petition, but the original date of service counts. So that's how we can correct it, but also backdate the date of service to the original filing, even though it was incorrect. Okay. Had a gentleman call me, they were on number five, had a gentleman call me where the wife had served him and through all appearances and conversations, she was trying to push through a default without an agreement and they had kids and assets and debts and, and all that. So when with my clients, I, first of all, always work with both spouses. That's, it's a requirement. Number two is when you have a, um, let me, I just lost track of what I was going to tell you here. If you have assets and debts and kids and, and you got your amicable, there's no reason to do a default without an agreement in this particular case. So she had filed, she had served him. No problem. They were in discussions they weren't making any uh, progress. In fact, I think a couple of months went by, like four months. Still hadn't filed a response. That's fine. But when he was trying to talk to her and ask her questions, like this, this start talking terms, um, and he's like, you know, well, should I file a response then? She said, well, I'm already I've already filed the default. So when that happens, I, all, what I gather is that someone's instructing his spouse 
to do this, thinking that a default without an agreement is the best way to go. Cause it, it sounds like on the summons that you can, if there's no response filed, you get everything you want. Now, the, while you can file the request in or default, if you do that and you did not prepare the petition correctly, you did not do equal division of assets and debts, you didn't file the property declarations, you didn't ask for custody the way you wanted, you can't change anything. In fact, if you file a petition and you say, I want 100% of the house, 100% of my 401k, 100% of you know, these community property assets in your petition and you attach the property declarations and you file it, you serve it, and you try and turn in a default without agreement divorce, that will get rejected because it does not follow community property guidelines. So while you may say, well, I, I, I filed the default and I asked for this in the petition, there was no response, I should get it. No, the court will require that all community assets and debts be divided equally. And they're going to have to amend their petition, redo the one property declarations, show an equal distribution of assets and debts, and then reserve because it sets aside the default, by the way, if you previously had a default filed and then you amend your summons and petition and that automatically sets aside the default, you have to file a new proof of service, have them served again, and then file a new request in your default. But my question is, why would you do that? It's going to be so difficult to get the custody you want, to get the child support you may or may not want, the spouse support you may or may not want. You don't get to make the decision decisions in a default without an agreement, whereas a default with agreement would be the best way to go. In fact, I've often said to go through a contested divorce case, to file a response and go to trial is going to be better than a default without an agreement. And I always say default without an agreement is to be used as a last resort, in my opinion. Number next, six maybe. <clears throat> I'll get calls once in a while. They'll leave a message and say, you know, call me immediately. I have an emergency. I need to go to court right away. Um, I have a trial tomorrow, you know, something where th they need some immediate action. One of the nice things about what I do is there are never any emergencies because I don't handle that type of paperwork. So if you're watching this and you're thinking, I'm going to call Tim because I'm going to go to trial or I want to have my disclosures done or, or, um, anything to do with court or that needs to be done tomorrow or a motion. I need, you know, I don't do that and I don't want to do that. I don't like doing that. So don't call me. Um, there's no emergencies. I'm in full control as are you with, with you, both of you, you and your spouse being a participant in the process. And there is no emergencies. There's no court. There are no hearings. There are no trials. Nobody gets served. Most of it can be signed electronically. And if you're in LA County, you can even, I can even e-file your entire case start to finish. All right. So I had another case. So number seven, let's call it. I had another case today uh, where um, husband had been served. Again, there's no problem with that. I understand that if you're trying to start your own divorce, you're following the directions. File the summons and petition. Next step two, serve your spouse. Okay, great. You're not, maybe you're totally amicable and you had the sheriff do it. I've seen people do that. Totally unnecessary, but you don't know any better. I'm not going to hold you to that. But this paperwork had was prepared in the worst way I ever saw. Summons and petition had, were full of errors. And what was, I don't want to say funny, because it is confusing. And I know a lot of these forms kind of sound the same, is they attached the FL-142 Declaration of Disclosure of, of Assets and Debts to their petition. And that, that, first of all, on the top of that form, it says, do not file this with the court. Not only did they file it, but they attached it to the petition. 
if you're going to include assets and debts on your petition, you need to do it on the appropriate FL-160 property declarations. Number nine, data separation in the past, even if 20 years have gone by. So people will often ask if they've been separated for one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. I forget what I talked about a few weeks ago. I think it was like 25 or 28 years. Even though you are technically still married, let's say 40 years, but if you say the data separation is 20 years ago, we're going to use that data separation. So on paper, on your divorce, it's going to show that you were married 20 years, not 40 years. Next subject, spousal support and not wanting to pay it. So I had a, I had, and I want to talk about this consultation in detail because I have told you in the past that I give what I feel are really comprehensive. That was a good word. That's the word I wanted to use last time. I said really good but really comprehensive consultations. You'll be surprised how much I can get through in 15 minutes. Usually we're done before the 15 minutes, even when it's, it's there's a lot of specific questions. So in this particular case, they agreed on everything but the spouse support. He didn't want to pay it, and she wanted it. And if there's even one issue you don't agree on, I can't really help you because I can't draft a settlement agreement. You guys aren't going to sign it. You probably need attorneys. You're definitely going to court for a judge to decide if you don't work it out on your own or through mediation. So I said, well, did she give you a number? And, she, and he said, yes, uh, 1600. And I said, well, how did she come up with this number? Did she make it up? And he says, no, I think she's talking to an attorney, family friend of ours. I said, okay, well, did they, did she show you any proof of the calculation and, and whatnot? She said, no, she just gave it to me verbally. And so much of what I do when people are looking for help is they just need the information in order to make the decisions. They're just lacking information. They're amicable. They want to work towards an agreement, but they don't have the information. So I told them, hey, why don't I run some numbers for you? I don't normally do this on the consultation, but I mean, really, I can't go any further but to say, if you don't agree, you need to file the response and, you know, go to court and all that. So I ran the numbers. He gave me his income and his spouse's income. And I, I ran it and I, he gave me two potential incomes for her. So I ran it at one income and it gave us 1300, which was lesser than the 1600. And then I ran it at the higher income that he said it might be uh, or that it varied. And it came with almost the exact match of the 1600. I said, oh, well, there's there's where that number is coming from. They She's obviously spoken with someone who has access to the DistroMaster software and ran the uh, calculations. And because uh, that's I'm getting that exact number almost to the penny, 1600 bucks. And I said, so let me ask you this. If you know the calculation is coming out to $1,600, now you know where this is coming from. It wasn't just a number she pulled from a hat. Why would you go get an attorney, go to trial and then end up with the same amount of support? Because there's, there's not a whole lot of there's a lot of gray area is what I should say in divorce. The spouse support, you know, they run the calculations. This isn't going to be long-term spouse support. I think he was married five years. So I told him, you're looking at, you know, general rule, two and a half, uh, half the length of the marriage. And all this information, you guys, please understand this is not me giving you legal advice. This is readily available information you can find at your fingertips. Just do a quick Google search on short-term marriage, long-term marriage, how that works out. And, and I'm able to explain that that's where this information comes from. So now we had two, two pieces of information and have the number, the $1,600 number was coming from a calculation for support based on their incomes. And number two, um, the duration of support is going to be for approximately half the length of the marriage. Now, could you go to trial and get an attorney and, and present all this evidence and, you know, try and reduce your income. 
Sure. That's why people go to court. And let's say that he, they go through that trial and because they're able to uh, add in some deductions for his 401k or medical or pension, there's little, there's little things we can add in that'll help lessen <clears throat> the amount of support you pay because there's little deductions that we put into the calculator. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's say that that happens and um, they go to court and they go to trial and he gets 1500 And I gave him this example. He gets $1,500 in, in spouse support for the same duration, half the length of the marriage. So what did, what did that save him? It saved him $1,200 a year times two and a half, 12, 24, call it. So three, what would that be? $30,000. Well, no, $3,000 that he saved. But what if he spent $15,000 on that attorney to get that $100 difference in his spouse support? So I told him, you you know this you're likely going to because I can't give him advice like this. So he said, "There's likely going to be spouse support. Will it be sixteen hundred? Maybe, maybe not. But how much are you willing to spend on an attorney to save three thousand dollars? So you're going to lose twelve thousand dollars trying to save three thousand. It doesn't make sense to me. So what I told him is, I said, "Hey, do you trust this family friend who's apparently an attorney and a judge?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, why don't you call him or her?" and say, can can you work with both of us and kind of do this on more of a mediated fashion, the calculation you're running? Let me give you some additional information on my income. Here's here's my pay stub so you can see what the in, um, income changes are, uh, the differences and so forth, so you can get an accurate spouse support calculation and then decide if that's what the number you want to go on. And I hopefully he'll take my advice because other than that, he's getting an attorney because he doesn't have the information. And... Um, probably going to spend more money than it's worth as is the case most of the time with attorneys. Last subject, you know, I do a lot of videos, 2,600 plus to date, probably six to 10 to 15 more a day that I add on. And um, the person I spoke with today said, I liked what you said in this one video. I've watched lots of videos, but you said one thing different in this one video. And that's why I hired you today. And I said, you know what, I'm glad that um, you're watching the videos because in my opinion, the more content I get out there, the more people, the more visibility I have, obviously, but the more chances of people get to either learn to love me or decide that, nah, something I said, right, you didn't like. And I get that. Well, guess what? You just saved yourself time and you definitely sell, saved myself time by not calling me only to realize you don't like me. You definitely should work with people you like. And I guess uh, I said, I, I'm sure I rub people the wrong way. You know, they're just, you know, personalities and whatnot. Not that I say anything wrong or whatnot. I'm not uh, controversial at all, but uh, maybe you wanted a female. Um, maybe you wanted someone younger. Uh, maybe you wanted someone closer to where you live. Although I can serve, you know, the entire California. It's all the same process. So um, I just wanted to bring that up. You're either going to love me or you're going to, I don't want to say hate me, but choose someone else for some reason that you decided. And that's fine. Just don't call me and waste my time. Anyways, good talking to you guys. I hope you are enjoying these. Again, we're getting the, uh, they're getting picked up pretty well on our podcast. Um, let me know if you have questions, uh, put them in the comments and I'll be happy to answer them on future episodes. I hope you enjoy day in the life of an LDA, the divorce 661, the perspective episode 16. Talk to you tomorrow.